Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. Well, anyways, I have limited time and I have stuff to say, so let's turn our hearts towards the Lord and God's Word. Lord, as we close out this semester, we ask that your Spirit would lead us and your Spirit would speak one more time as we prepare for finals and then ultimately return to home for a break. Lord, have your way tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, tonight we are going to close the series we've been doing through the book of John, and we have called it Come and See, and tonight we're going to come and see how it concludes, okay? Um, How many people like a good ending? Anybody here like a good ending? Right, it's a storyteller. I know he likes a good ending, right? Like, we like a good ending. This, this weekend, I watched the very secular but very funny Christmas movie called Elf, right? Uh, we watched it yesterday, and, and that has a good ending. I, I don't know if you know this, but the ending was like a last-minute change. Anyways, but it ends with Buddy causing people to raise Santa's sleigh with Christmas cheer, right? And then he marries Jovi, and they start a family, and they go visit the North Pole period time. Uh-oh, some people are like, spoiler alert! Anyways, if you haven't seen it by now, uh, that's your fault. Okay, so. <laughs> so. But we like good endings. As I was watching the movie, I was like, yeah, that's a good ending. So how would you expect the Gospel of John to end? Okay, so here's what we've seen. We've seen it starts with this wonderful prologue and pronouncement that the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, which we just sung about. And then we see that, that, that light enters into the darkness and the darkness could not withhold it. And so, and so light pierces into the darkness and we see that this one who pierced into the darkness is the, the Son of God, that He does these signs and these signs show His glory. And show who he is and what he came to do. And then after that, he teaches us about what it looks like to live in his kingdom. It looks like to be foot washers and people of the spirit and people who are formed by Jesus. And then we see his coronation as he hangs on the cross. The king is coronated. And he's buried. And then we see his glorious resurrection. His, his defeat of, of sin and death and the, and the grave and, and hell, they're defeated. And then we get these beautiful and, and, and powerful post-resurrection appearances that we saw in a wonderful de- depiction of last week. So how do you end that? Like, how do you bring this to a conclusion? Maybe like a post-resurrection miracle, like one for the road, you know? Like, what do you do? How does John wrap up his gospel? Here's how he wraps it up. He ends it in a fairly surprising way. You guys ready for this? He ends it with a conversation. He ends it with a conversation, a conversation with Peter. Because, why does he end it that way? Because this conversation is paradigmatic of our lives as we learn what lies ahead for Peter. If I could give this message a title, just say, come and see the nature of the journey ahead. What Jesus is going to do is prepare Peter for the journey of what it will mean for him to follow Jesus as 
as they move forward. And because how many people know this? Unmet expectations are the seedbed of disillusionment, right? If you have expectations that aren't um, met, then you get disillusioned. And so Jesus is going to tell Peter what is going to lie ahead so he doesn't get disillusioned and have false expectations. So turn in your Bible to the very last verses of the Gospel of John in verse 20, or in chapter 21. We're going to read verses 18 through the end of the Gospel. Are you guys ready? Here's what it says. Jesus speaking to Peter. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Okay, Peter is the rock. Peter is the one who's going to like be the leader of the church. And this is what Jesus says. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciples whom Jesus loved, or the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who's going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he says, Lord, what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumor spread among the disciples that the disciple would not die. But Jesus did not say that he would not die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple who testifies to these things, who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus, and it ends with this verse so glorifying to Jesus. Listen to this. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that, that even the whole world would not have enough room for the books that would be written. One theologian said, we think that's hyperbole, but maybe John didn't. If you considered the pre-incarnate word and all that he had done, the glory of Jesus. Well, this, these verses teach us a couple truths. I'm just going to hit two things that they teach us about what it's going to look like to follow Jesus that will be important for you and important for me as we follow him. And so I'm going to uh, deal, and basically there's two parts, and they both um, have the exhortation to follow me. So what does it look like to follow Jesus? First, he's going to tell us what the nature of that journey is, and then he's going to teach us about one of the things that will trip us up if we, if we fall for this. And so the first thing is this. Um, is he tells us about the two sides of our walk with Jesus, or the two sides of spirituality, if you will. That's what John Mark Comer calls it. He, he calls it the two types of, of spirituality, the two sides of the spiritual journey. One is what's called the active spirituality, and the other is the passive spirituality. And so let's look at verse 18. He says this, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. That's speaking of the active side of spirituality. If you notice, this, the verbs are active verbs. You will decide this. You will determine this. You will decide where you go. You will dress yourself. It's where we have a sense of control of what is happening. 
It's about what we do. It's about what we initiate in our walk with God. When we talk about the active side of spirituality, we start talking about the disciplines of the Christian life, the things that that cause you to grow as you own your own journey with Jesus, you own your own maturity and and, and journey towards maturity with Jesus. You're not passive and and, um, lackadaisical, but you are active in pursuing God. You you take seriously the verses that say, um, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you or Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. This idea of, of making every effort in your growth with God. And it seems like you have a little bit more control over your, your maturity in following Jesus. So it'll involve stuff like this, like reading the Bible. Um, you'll, it'll involve uh, spending, being saturated in Scripture steadily. That's, that's the active side. Or it could be uh, communing with God in prayer and, and spending time in prayer. It could be that it, it's, it's about you being faithful to your core group and faithful to m and and those rhythms in your life of corporate worship that you understand this following Jesus is not a solo sport, but it's a community, that you're part of this community and that you are built up as you do it together with other people. That's the active side of spirituality. It's the, it's the side where you take radical steps to break the power of sin in your life. It's like when you decide to download CovenantEyes.com onto your phone. It's when you um, put up parameters around your life about what will be a part of your life and what won't be a part of your life. That's the active side of spirituality. It could be going to counseling. Because you realize over the journey of life that you've taken some bruises and some bumps and and there's some areas of brokenness that you're proactive with because you want to get whole. And Jesus says, when you were young, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted to go. The active side of spirituality. I heard... I'll refer to John Mark Comer. I heard him give an excellent message on this right as the pandemic was starting. He'd already given it a couple years earlier, but I was catching up during the pandemic. And then he talked about the passive side of spirituality. And of course, I was listening to it in the midst of the pandemic, and to say it resonated would be an understatement. And so when I came to this passage, my mind just immediately went to that, that message I heard while I was mowing the lawn two years ago or a year and a half ago. And the passive side of our spirituality is defined by the second part of this verse. It says, when you are old, you'll stretch out your hands. And someone else will dress you and lead you to where you do not want to go. See, passive spirituality isn't that you're passive in a bad way. It's about things that happen to you. Things that come into your life that are outside of your control, that are things that that you wouldn't sign up for if there was an opportunity to sign up for. You would pass on these things. And frankly, they would be against your will, if you will. No pun intended, but there you go. It's a part of your journey of things that happen to you. As I was thinking about the passive side of spirituality, I was reminded of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul um, talks about how he had a thorn in the flesh that he pleaded with God to get rid of. You guys know what I'm talking about? This 
He says, there's a thorn in my flesh. I pleaded with God that I would get rid of it. And this is what, how God responded to him. He said this, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. In other words, I'm going to give you grace to endure this. And as you do that, my power is going to be made perfect in your weakness. In other words, I'm going to be doing stuff in you and through you as a result of this. My power is going to be made known. So what is involved in this passive side of spirituality? Well, the thorns can look plentiful and many. Let me get a small list here. Maybe... Some of us may deal with things that we wouldn't sign up for when it comes to mental health struggles. Some of us may deal with the thorn of struggling with shame and insecurity. Others may deal with specific temptations and desires. Others propensities in their personality. Others physical pain and ailments that that plague them. It could be seasons of of grief. So I was preparing this, I was reminded of when my sister died and I walked through an extended season of grief. It could be a season of a pandemic where there's a lot that is limited in your life because of that season. I was thinking as, I, as we were worshiping, I was thinking about how many people over the years I've seen The passive side of spirituality is encountered in breakups. When there's difficulty relationally. And how I've seen the Lord use that. But here's the point. All of these things that we would never sign up for. That as we encounter the passive side of our spirituality. If we will trust him in the pain of it. In the suffering of it. And say, Lord, I submit to you whatever you want to do in me during this time. That he will form us and use those things to make us look more like Jesus. To draw him closer to himself. And our lives will be transformed in the midst of it. Now let me say this. I am not saying all those things come because God caused them to come. I'm saying that God doesn't waste pain and he has plans and purposes that he wants to, of things he wants to do in the midst of that to form us to look more like Jesus. Um, let me also say this. Sometimes when you're in the midst of it, you wonder what in the world good could come out of this. I remember a dark season that I was in. It was an extended few months of what I would say really darkness. And I remember telling Amy, I don't think anything good's coming out of this. When I was in the midst of it, I was just like, I just want to get through. I, don't, I can't see how in the world anything, how the Lord's using this to shape me or to do anything in my life. I feel like, anyways. And then it was a couple months after I started to do inventory and I realized, wow, God is using all of that pain. He's redeeming it. He used it to form me. And somehow the Lord is redeeming it. And I'm looking, I feel like I'm a better pastor now. I feel like I'm, I'm closer to the Lord and more understanding of what he wants to do in my life. So the point is, you don't always feel like something will come out of it. 
My friend Mark Batterson wrote a book called Do It For A Day. And in that book, he references a story that in 1987, some engineers and entrepreneurs um, decided to do an experiment. And the experiment was to create the largest artificial ecosystem that had ever been created in Oracle, Arizona. It was called Biosphere 2. It was 3.14 acres that was in this biosphere that was in it. It had, been perf- had the perfect climate for um, the ecosystem of, for plant life to grow. Okay, So they had um, climate-controlled environments. They had air that was purified. They had clean water. They had rich nutrient soil. They had natural light. And despite these perfect conditions, something peculiar happened. When trees grew to a certain height, Mark writes that the trees would fall over inexplicably. And so they did a study, and they, as they studied why once the trees grew to a certain height, were they falling over? They realized that there was one element of growth that was missing in the biosphere. Do you know what it is? What? What they realized was, That trees, as they grow, are buffeted by wind on every side. And that wind causes their bark to take formation in certain ways and causes their root systems to be established in certain ways. And because they were insulated from the the winds, they would fall over. And as I read that, I, I was thinking, wow, where would we be without the passive side of spirituality in our lives? None of us would choose to have wins. And yet, where would we be? Okay, so over my life, I've been following Jesus about 28 years. I have seen active spirituality change my life. I cannot tell you how many times I've been buoyed, refreshed, rebuked, convicted, exhorted, reminded and powerfully impacted by my time in the word of God and in prayer, praying and anxiety breaks free, clarity comes, um, renewal happens in my heart as I worship God and pray. I cannot tell you how powerful active spirituality has been in my journey. But can I also say this in my 28 years? Some of the deepest, most heart-expanding root-deepening, character-transforming work in my life has come through passive spirituality. Of things that I would not have signed up for, like Peter wouldn't have signed up for what Jesus said, but it transformed my life. So the first point, and I'm going to hit the second one really quickly, is this. Embrace it all. Jesus says, this is what it's going to mean, Peter, for you to follow me. It's going to be the active side. It's going to be the passive side. But in the midst of that, you will glorify me. He's in that peculiar to tell him what kind of death he would, he, he would die to glorify God. And then number two, the second thing he tells them, he tells them, don't compare your journeys. Don't compare your journeys. I love this. <laughs> 
Of course, Peter responds how, how you would when after you got told the same thing. He's like, well, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And I love Jesus' response. He says, if I want him to, to live until I come back, what's it to you? You must follow me. And he's telling Peter, whatever you do, don't compare with other people. You just keep your eyes on me. Um, I have a 17-year-old son, and I taught, taught him how to drive, which, um, you know, it was an experience of itself. But I read the manual to make sure I was teaching him the right way, right? Like, how do you do this? And one thing it said, it says you need to teach them where to look when you're driving. And they tell you um, where not to look. You're not to look this way and this way. And you're not even supposed to look just over your, your hood. You know where you're supposed to look? Into the horizon. Because what happens whenever you look to, the, to, to this way? What happens? You pull the wheel that way. What happens when you look this way? You pull the wheel that way. If you look barely over your hood, you're not going to be able to respond. And so here's the point. When we are following Jesus, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus in the horizon. We can't look side to side and, and see how, well, look, what, what's going on with them? Why is that happening to them? That comparison will throw you off and you'll end up in the ditch. you end up swerving. You end up in an accident. Okay. Let me make a point. Peter did not look at someone famous in that day. In our day, he didn't look at Elon Musk and say, well, but Jesus, what about Elon? He didn't look at LeBron and be like, but Jesus, what about LeBron? You know who he looked at? He looked at one of his friends. He said, what about them? Can I tell you your most subtle danger of comparison is not the famous people. It's the person sitting next to you. It's the people in core group with you. Are you guys following me with this? If you fall for, the, for comparison, it will cause... And you, you take your eyes off Jesus. You could end up in the ditch. Wow. What is it? What can it look like? We have all sorts of examples. What it look like you get on Instagram and you see somebody who's at break at Vail taking their picture, you know, and you're like, I've never even been snow skiing. They're at Vail. Or a group of people who are taking a group selfie and you're sitting at home alone, can't wait to reconnect with friends and you see everybody like the party you missed out on. Or you see the picture of the ring And in, in, inside, okay, it's getting real. And inside, you're happy for them, but you're also reminded of just how single you are. No, 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 no one bears witness to this, I know, I know. Or... Or your friend just posts on Instagram that they just got the internship of their dreams. And you're like, ah, good for them. Here's what happens. Here's what happens. I, I've met with a lot of students over the years. Let me tell you what happens, guys. Here's what happens. The people who are going into the marketplace start to be envious of the person who goes on the mission field. Oh, I wish I could do that. I wish I could just go to that foreign country and... and drink coffee with people and do, you know. 
All right, okay. And the person who goes to the mission field looks at the person in the marketplace and says, oh man, I wish I could do that. Go make all that money. And I'm over here struggling in the, on the mission field trying to learn the language. I, don't, I can't learn. And you know, all the, right? The point is it works both ways, guys. It is a sinister thing. And Jesus says, stop rubbernecking around looking at your buddies. But you keep your eyes on me. Look at me. Focus on me. What's it to you if I want them to become a CEO? What's it to you if they're the next apostle? Support them. Okay. You follow me. I have plans and purposes for your life. And stop rubbernecking around, Peter. And just follow me. So, as we go into break, can I just give you these two encouragements? Embrace it all. As you go into break, embrace the active side. Be faithful in the disciplines of the Christian life and embrace the past. I know some of you are going home to situations that you wish were different. And here's what I just encourage you. Just trust Jesus in it and submit to him and say, Jesus, whatever you want to do in me during these very difficult circumstances, I pray that you would somehow redeem them and use them to form me to look more like you. And here's what I know. Oftentimes, the place of our greatest ministry comes from the place of our greatest pain. And then, don't spend your time comparing yourself to other people's stories. Jesus says, what's it to you? You follow me. Because you will always lose the comparison eventually. You always will. So can we do those two things? Just keep our eyes on Jesus and embrace both sides, embrace it all. And as we do, by God's grace and the Spirit's power, our journeys will end up in the same place one day. They started the same by his grace and they'll end up the same in the new heavens and the new earth. In the midst of it, we'll follow him on the path he has for us by embracing it all and keeping our eyes on him. Will you stand? Here's what we're gonna do. We have five minutes left. We have the worship team come, but here's what I want us to do. I want you to do this very simple thing. Will you simply turn to somebody beside you? I don't want no more than three and pray for their break. Okay? Maybe just two of you, that's probably best. If there's a third, that's okay. And just say, pray that, that, that God would do a great work in the active and, and passive side and that they would keep their eyes on Jesus over break. Sound good? And then we'll close in song. All right, let's pray. We close out this semester and we think about the active and passive side. When you're tempted to look side to side and compare yourself with the journey of your friends, just remember, He is worthy worthy whatever it means just follow him so as you head home keep your eyes on him let's follow him as you walk through finals keep your eyes on him that may be the passive side right (laughs) keep your eyes on him may the Lord bless you and keep you may he make his face shine upon you 
May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace, shalom, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Have a wonderful break. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.